Welcome back to the Lou Perez podcast. My name is Lou Perez, and I'm happy to report that right now you can order my book. That's right. I wrote a book. It's called That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore on the Death and Rebirth of Comedy. Follow the link in the description or head over to Amazon and search for Lou Perez. That joke isn't funny anymore. If you want other options on how you can buy my book, please sign up for my newsletter at theluperez.com. You could also join my community at theluperez.locals.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could leave a five-star review, that would be amazing. Whether you're a long-time listener or first-time, five-star reviews are lovely. If you're looking for other ways you can support me, you can do so by supporting my sponsors. If you're into CBD products, please check out PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Use promo code Lou to get 25% off purchases over $75. And if you like cold brew, check out Black Organic Cold Brew at www.blvckbrew.com and use promo code Lou for free shipping. All right, let's go. My next guest, you could say that I've built quite a rapport with over the years. He's a, a great friend of mine, a collaborator, an awesome comedian, and somebody uh, who I often look to for uh, rationalism in this otherwise crazy world. Please give it up for Boris Hyken, everybody. Thank you. You know what? This is how you know it's really rapport because even out of like some of my closest friends, they still can't pronounce my last name and you got it nailed down. And that's it's a high bar. It's truly a high bar. You know, I think I was uh, I'm trying to remember the day where I think I felt very embarrassed for not pronouncing it correctly because uh, it, it was because um, I had known you for a little while and uh, it's sort of like that. It's sort of like when you're in high school and, you know, you're eating lunch with the same kids for the first like, you know, eight weeks and you don't have it in you to ask them what their names are. Right. You know, because you don't know what their names are. And then and like nobody, nobody drives yet. So no one has a license. So you can't be like, hey, can I see your license? And you can see mine. And you haven't like learned formal adult introductions where you can like introduce them to somebody else as a means of learning their name. Like, right. Yeah. This is my friend, Steve, Steve, say hello. Yeah. Cause anybody, cause chances are, you know, if, if there's a, you might not know that other person's name either. You might, you know, you might still be, uh, just uh, introduce strangers as a third party. My, my, uh, Boris, like I said, we, uh, we've known each other, uh, for a while. Boris came to my, uh, to my wedding. I came to, I, I went to his wedding. Um, and, uh, one, I think one of the complaints Michelle has about me, and it's not even a, comp- I don't even know if it's a complaint. I think it's just something that she's had to deal with is the fact that I don't remember people. Like I, I don't remember people and there, there are people in, in her life who I don't remember meeting. And it's not like I, it's not like I, 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 I'm not like a narcissist or everything's about me. And I just, it's like, I just don't remember them. So she has to, so anytime something is coming up, she has to explain to me <laughs> who this person is again. She's and got like flashcards, like she's hunting down the mob, except it's just her social circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or sometimes, sometimes I feel like it's going to be like a, like my version of Memento. I'm going to have to start tattooing these, you know, uh, 
the people who you know who shouldn't be strangers to me just putting them on my skin so i remember who the fuck they are super casual memento he actually had those <laughs> tattoos before he had to like figure out the story of his wife oh my god super casual memento it's like yeah, yeah pick up pick up laundry on tuesday just tattooed across the chest <laughs> who am i yeah I, I i i figured a really boring version of memento would be for me would be uh remembering uh, not being able to remember if i brush my teeth in the morning <laughs> i don't know if you're uh if you're like me in that uh, in that regard i uh i'm like you in the sense that I brush my teeth when I shower almost always. Mm. And so if I don't shower right away in the morning, I'll definitely forget. Like if I go to the gym and shower after the gym, I'll, I won't brush my teeth till like two or three. That's just uh, how I do. Well, for me, I, for me, it's become, it's become easier to forget because I, um, I mean, I don't sleep very well now because, you know, having, you know, having kids and people who listen to this podcast are like, dude, shut the fuck up about <laughs> complaining about not being able to sleep because we get it. You have kids, you're, fer you're fertile. You're able to make, uh, you're able to create. Um, but, uh, I think another, another thing is I, um, I'm addicted to coffee now and I, and I want coffee right when I wake up. So if hey. I'm having like coffee, then it's a, whoa, cold brew right there. It's a lot easier for me to put off taking care of the very, you know, the very, nece uh, very necessary taking care of, of my teeth. Um, and, uh, I'm going to pay for it at some point. Um, so. How how are they when you go to the dentist? Do you get a lot of like feedback, a lot of grief? No ca um no cavities. Um I haven't had a cavity in a in a long time. I think maybe maybe a few years ago there were uh there was like a filling that that had to be, you know, replaced or or something like that. Um but the big thing that that I have is when I get my teeth cleaned, um uh, there are very big spaces on my bottom teeth in particular. Uh, so there have been times where I've got my teeth cleaned. I come back and I like smile or I'm just talking and, and Michelle is like, Oh, did you eat like a, like a everything bagel or something? Cause there's like, do you have like poppy seeds in your teeth? And I'm like, no, there's just like the spaces there. She uh, forgets they're there cause they get filled with food. Yeah, yeah. They get filled with, 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 uh, with muck. Um, but I, you know, I was thinking about this, uh, uh, for a while. Cause I, um, I have a lot of revenge fantasies and, um, I have like these, you know, uh, a kind of obsessive memories of people who've wronged me in my life, which is funny. Cause I, I think maybe the reason why I don't remember any of Michelle's, uh, friends is because, uh, I have all that space is being taken up by these revenge fantasies that I have. <laughs> you need her <laughs> friends to wrong you in order for yeah. you to remember them. in order for me to remember them. Yeah. Uh, but when I, I remember when I was when I was a kid, we had um, living in Woodside, um, there was a, a local dentist that we would go to and, you know, we would go to get our checkup. Right. And, and my mom was so funny because like the morning of the, the checkup at the dentist, that's when she'd be like, brush your teeth. You, you, you have to brush your teeth. So it's like she wasn't like strict about us brushing our teeth. But except they know for that. Yeah, they know when you just time. do it that day. They know you haven't been flossing and you just floss today for the dentist. Exactly. And I remember going uh, going to this dentist to get cleanings. And all she would do is sort of like pick around, you know, like with the uh, the pick. 
and then kind of like send us on our way. And that, that was like years and years of that happening. And it wasn't until we went to a, uh, a different dentist who I think was like same dentist for like a kid I played hockey with when I got like a real cleaning where it was not only the picking, but then it was also the water pick and it lasted like, you know, half hour to 45 minutes. And even as a kid, I was like thinking like, how the fuck is it possible that this, that this person is running this sham operation out of fucking, you know, Woodside Queens or whatever this frigging butcher. Um, yeah. So, so that person, I, I, I gotta ask my, I gotta find out her name for my mom because it's, so, I think it's time for payback. It's like it's over- a guy from catch me if you can just <laughs> fooling you as a dentist. It was a woman. It was a woman actually. And this is kind of, uh, this is weird. Um, uh, I remember, I remember distinctly. There's the, you know, that the sort of hack premise about when you're at a dentist and they have your mouth opened and they won't stop talking and you can't talk back to them, right? So now imagine I'm a kid and that's happening, and this dentist is bringing up the fact that my that my two older brothers uh, aren't my real brothers because they have a different dad. Like that, that, that was part of conversation that she brought up. Good Lord. Fucking, I was like, what? was like, what? You know, like, what are you, what are you talking, you know, what are you talking about? Really awkward interactions at the dentist. There's one is more that, interaction. Yeah. Okay. Is that how you found out or that was just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that it's like, how did you know? She's like, well, I could tell from their teeth probably. Well, I got bad news and good news. The good news is you don't have cavities. The bad yeah. news is your family is a lie. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 all a lie. Um, and it was so weird because especially at that at that time, um, my older brothers were you know they were my brothers. I didn't think of anything like oh you know we you know they're fifty percent my brother because we have the same mom. It's like no, they were hundred percent my brother. So to hear a stranger. Um, I think that was sort of the first time I think of a stranger kind of projecting what they viewed of the, of the fa- familial relationship, right. you know, and putting that into, into my young head. Um, yeah. That, Oh my God, I, I gotta, I gotta find out where that, pl- uh, what that place was. And uh, for my mom, I had a really awkward, awkward thing uh, that happened there too. Uh, for those of you uh, just, tuning tuning in why are you just tuning in now that's kind of weird you should listen from the beginning we're talking about my uh, experience at a, at a dentist a shitty dentist in woodside um there was one time i came out of the uh you know i i just gotten you know mangled or whatever in that uh in that dentist chair and i come out and in the waiting room in the lobby is a an older black woman and uh she said she looked at me and said Oh my God, Lewis, you look like you're dying. And I was like probably eight years old. How fucking weird is that? Like what I pictured the Oracle when you said that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She was a very, very thin woman. I think she had a scarf on her head. Um, she, uh, how she knew my name, I think it was because, um, my mom was talking to the secretary there about making another appointment. And this woman is, you know, just turn, you know, turn to me and said, Oh my God, Lewis, you look like you're dying. And like, th- this is like a black hole of, of, uh, awkwardness and shame, you know, that, that is this dentist. 
Those dentists really, you know, they need them because that is a trope. Like I also had a dentist that talked nonstop. I remember not liking her, but we specifically went to her. And this is a very typical Russian thing. But I think what was happening was she would bill both of my parents' insurances individually. And then this way there was no co-payment. It was like typical, you know, Russians insurance scam type stuff. Uh, and then I hated going to her, but she, it was affordable for us to do. And then eventually she lost her eyesight and she couldn't be a dentist anymore, but it's, it's definitely a trope. And I feel like they should just advertise a children's dentistry. That's just like, our thing is that we shut the fuck up. We won't talk to your kids. Your kids hate it. And, and our thing is we all stay silent. We just do dentistry in perfect silence. Yeah. There, there's a, a, I was going to a, another dentist uh, for a little while and yeah, it, it, it's that stereotype. I'm, I'm, you know, sitting down, my mouth's open, he's working on me and he starts bringing up what, what really happened with JFK. <laughs> Serious. Like, like conspiracy theorist dentist, you know, oh, going on did you ever that. ask him about fluoride in the water? You know, I, I don't think I was hip to that at that time. I was, I don't think I was, um, I don't think I had gone like, full libertarian yet and, and that doesn't mean like if you're a libertarian you need to be against fluoride that, no that's like when you when you go full libertarian you a lot of the people you interact with are not hip to the fluoride you know then you find yeah. that out yeah um i i did ask i had a dentist a, years later and years ago now uh very nice gay gentleman on the upper west side and we ended up being friends on facebook and then i asked him about fluoride because i'd gotten hip to that conspiracy at one point and he was just like i need you to know this is not true it is one of the best things for public health that we have ever done is add fluoride to the water like he was very passionate and adamant about the fact that it is not a thing i should worry about yeah yeah i mean and i I remember learning about well apparently fluoridation can can work two ways it could either be adding more fluoride or reducing the amount of fluoride uh, in a, in water. Um, that uh, that's something I learned. There was a I think his name is uh, Brian Dunning. He used to have like the um, these skeptic videos on YouTube. He's the guy. I don't know. I, I mean, this happened so long ago. He's the guy who went on Joe Rogan like ages ago, maybe like ten years ago, and uh, he had accused Joe Rogan of being a conspiracy theorist and like denying the the moon landing and, and all this stuff and to joe's credit he had this guy on i think for like over two hours and was very calm the whole time like sort of picking this guy apart and the guy came off as like a real asshole like like just a guy who who did not seize an opportunity to you know perhaps change some minds you know or to or to or to take part in like a friendlier you know banter and all that and I used to, I, I think I, I think I donated to this guy before he had gone on Joe Rogan. Cause I used to be into uh, like the skeptic movement and stuff. And like, Oh, he's making videos. Let me uh, donate some money to him. And then it turned out uh, he's uh, he's a criminal. He, uh, he like screwed over some people with um, uh, some programming that he did on like a website or something like that. And I, I don't know if he did time, but he was definitely found uh, guilty Convicted. of whatever this stuff was. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Just projecting, projecting yeah. his guilt onto poor Joe Rogan. Well, well, who's on top now? Well, 
Well, and the thing that sucks about it too is like for one, he came off as a dick on Joe Rogan, and then it comes out that the guy is a criminal. And you know, while that should have nothing no bearing whatsoever on the truth of the universe and scientific truth, it's kind of like, well, guy, it's a little harder for you to, you know, be the skeptic when you come off as a piece of shit, you know. Yeah. Or somebody who's like doesn't necessarily care how are you going to care about objective reality if you're committing fraud you know or communicating objective reality for that matter yeah yeah exactly so it's sort of like yeah in um you know when it he uh he likes to you know debunk fraudsters when it's not his own fraud that's being you know you know that reminds me of all those like catch a predator independent ones that are on like youtube you ever seen those Oh, the guys that um, they, they meet up at like like uh, uh, Toys R Us or the mall or something like that. Yeah, they like lure um, like pedophiles or like quasi pedophiles online to like, yeah, exactly. Meet up at a mall and then they got a camera and they but they do it to make YouTube content. And there was one of them that I watched a while ago that was like one of the main ones that like started it and like taught these other ones that basically like came clean and was just like, these people are narcissists. Like some of them maybe are taking some predators off the streets, but also they're like purely doing this for their own egos. And like, sometimes it's questionable who it is that they're luring and whether they're actually like the content context they're setting up as the truth and stuff. Cause they're just obviously like trying to blow up on YouTube. Yeah. Well, well, that well. It, this is probably a good segue into. Um, I, I made a, a video recently that um, that went viral on uh, on Twitter, and you guys could uh, check it out now if you go to um, my Twitter feed at Vilu Perez. And Boris, I don't know if you saw this one, but uh, I did. I liked it. It was very funny. I both you. I both liked it literally and liked it in the in the proverbial sense. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, so uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, um, there's a character that I play. I I don't have a name necessarily for this character, but it's basically me wearing a black beanie and uh, a pair of old uh, eyeglasses that I had, and um, uh, I broke this character out a while back about uh, when I was uh, commenting on on the uh, Joe Rogan Spotify um, controversy. And uh, in the video that I do, I, I shoot it. I handheld, you know, shoot the video. And I'm this character saying, you know, Joe Rogan needs an answer for this, that, and the other thing. And uh, uh, positioned on my bookshelf behind me is um what some call a um a, a sex toy a fist let, let me get that for oh man i was really hoping <laughs> that it was in rabbit, my ass yeah i was really hoping you're like let me get that for you <laughs> and then just pop up yeah uh, it's so, covered so, in like what a fetus comes out in <laughs> yeah oh, oh like all am, uh, amniotic fluid and all that <laughs> so uh this thing is uh is up on my up on my shelf and for the uh, for those of you who are you know real fans you'll notice it is the official grab him by the pussy hand um from the uh trump uh therapy series that i i i, I produced independently um so uh you know so here i am doing this character and this and this thing's on the shelf and 
you know, the amount of, the amount of um, comments that are just like, I, I can't hear a word this guy's saying. I just keep looking at that, <laughs> at that butt plug or the butt fist or whatever. Um, and then I, I did a follow-up video explaining that this isn't a sex toy at all. It is a resist resistance fist with extended fingers, um, you know, uh, to show solidarity with uh, Black Lives Matter and, and, and all that. So that's where this character comes from. Uh, so I put this character uh, on a uh, on a playground um, and uh, said that uh, he you know he had he had come to this playground to talk to children about sex and gender. Uh, any child that comes to the playground, he's going to you know talk to them about this. Uh, the principal of the school said that she called the police, and uh, he was he refused to leave, and he's waiting there to see what happens. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I bring that up because, uh, the amount of people who not only thought it was real, but thought it was real and also wished death upon me is amazing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's wild. Actually, uh, one fan of mine, she actually reported one of the, one of the guys who threatened to literally slit my throat. Um, and I, I had responded to him and said, well, if you do it figuratively, I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking for you to do it literally. Now, but to yeah. be clear, is this a guy that's mad because he believes that your character is sincere and he's mad because you're going to teach sex to children? Or is this a guy that that it's like leftist and is offended by you making fun of that? No, I like I I think all of pretty much all of the negative comments come from people on the right um who, who didn't but listen to the last line where you're going to teach sex to a cop to a cop whoever shows up first whether it's a a child in kindergarten or a police officer they're going to get a lesson and then I and then at the end I go down a slide I go down a slide yeah so. yeah they definitely didn't get, the last 10 seconds is where there's just like if you didn't get it yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, there, uh, uh, and I mean, the amount of people with Patriot in their, uh, in their bio or, you know, Trump won and all that, I really ignited something in them, uh, that, you, you know, triggered I, them. yeah, yeah. I, I triggered them. I, I triggered them for sure. And, um, what's, what, what, what I find there are though, you know, there are those ones and then there, there, there are the people who are like, I don't know if this is if this is fake or not, but if it's <laughs> but if it's real, something better be done about this guy. You know, it's yeah. like oh, like they're really you know covering their bases there. You know, did I lose you for a second? No, no, I'm here. Oh. I'm here. Um, just just pondering the existence of these folks. Yeah, but my fa my favorite thing that happened, uh, and when I found this out. Uh, well, well, I, uh, I, I, you know, put my phone down and I, when I picked it up, it was, you know, the video was blowing up on, on Twitter. Uh, and it's funny how like a video, it, it like blew up on Twitter, but didn't blow up anywhere else that I shared it, you know? So it's, yeah. it's funny the things that, that, that take off. But then I looked and I saw that Andrew Sullivan, um, uh, who is uh, Sully dish on, on Twitter, he has like over a quarter million. Uh, yeah, no, I'm very familiar with Andrew Sullivan. Yeah, I 
I regularly listen to his podcast. I think he's brilliant. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, I think he's, uh, you know, I think he's excellent. He retweeted it. And, and asked for your number. <laughs> <laughs> no, <clears throat> he retweeted and he wrote, freelance proselytizing the new religion to young children. Jesus, leave them alone. So oh, no. Yeah, yeah. So so you know they say you know never meet your heroes and I've never met Andrew Sullivan. I'd consider him you know to an a, to an extent a hero, but if you can fool your heroes, go for it. Oh um, man. Or I didn't even mean to fool him though. I hope this doesn't actually get in the way of me meeting him one day cuz uh I, I would really like to. And so he, you know, retweeted it, you know, with that and uh you know, helped blow it up. And then a bunch of people, a bunch of blue checks were like, it's satire. It's satire, like having, you know, having to let him know. And then I checked his feed a little later in the day and he had, uh, he had deleted it. Yeah. But it, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I'm like, am I that good of an actor? Or is it like so many of the commenters were saying, like, you just, you can't tell nowadays because some stuff is just so, you're just so out there. The line is gray for sure. There's definitely some stuff that's more satire than satire. I that's the worst also when like not only does the person that you like and admire miss it, but then when others like the blue checks you said jump on and now you're a, sort of aligned. I had a joke a while ago that I posted on Facebook. This is years ago. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember it was misunderstood by one of my favorite high school teachers who mm. I had been Facebook friends with. And he commented like for shame, like, like literally like shaming thinking that I don't even remember what it was. I just remember his response was trying to inflict shame on me specifically because he'd missed the joke. And it was like pretty popular. Like it wasn't like the joke was that subtle. It was like clear. A lot of people were laughing and commenting on stuff. And so he missed the joke. And I really gently tried to like, clue him in and like that that's what i'll do often on facebook is like if somebody does miss it i'll try to like double down in a way that's just a little more obvious so that you know because this way they're not as embarrassed to realize that they missed it and then he went back and edited his comment to make it look like he'd gotten the joke but found it offensive nonetheless just mm. so he wasn't totally backtracking and then commented after that being like you know i got like literally redid it and so then of course like other people that i'm friends with on facebook start jumping on this guy and are like hey boomer we know you can you can see the edit history of your facebook comment <laughs> and just like one after the other and i deleted the whole freaking post and it was a good joke because i felt so bad that now these people were like bullying my former high school teacher that i really like well and and the fact that it's happening you know, whatever's happening is happening on another side of a screen very far away from you. So you can only imagine what's going on in his head or the embarrassment and, and, and all that. Yeah. Uh, and that I think makes it, you know, harder, especially if you, if you're, if you're a good person where you're like, ah, oh, I don't want, you know, this is a good relationship. I don't want to, I don't want him to feel bad about, uh, about yeah. I sent him on. a long message and everything. I was just like, sorry, the way that it happened. But also, it's a fucking joke. Yeah. And 
it, it's just when people want to get mad, I think it makes them a little bit stupider, you know, when you're in a heightened emotional sense. And mm. it's just going to be harder to pick up on stuff that normally I know he's an intelligent, normal person that would pick up on. But as soon as you get mad, I just you get a little stupider. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100 percent. I, I think a similar thing was happening on on this, you know, in this uh, video, too, in, in the comments where uh, people who thought it was real and then were quickly, you know, you know, taught a lesson that, it, you know, no, it's, it's that. They're like, well, well, you're sick for even thinking this is funny or even making this joke or, or right. how, you know, how dare you, uh, you know, do this. So what's so funny is uh, uh, I, I went to the playground <laughs> over the, over the weekend with my wife and two kids. So like, while, you know, while uh, the youngest was taking a nap in his stroller and, and, um, Michelle was playing with with the oldest at like a different at um you know like say the slides over there. Daddy went into the corner and set up a a tripod that he just ordered on on Amazon, and you know did this in like a you know like three or four takes, and then uh and then went back to having you know a, a, a beautiful day with his with his family, um and uh, it's it's. I don't know. They, I, you, you and I have been making stuff together for, you know, for a while. And it is really funny to just meet the people who can't fathom that, uh, you know, you could have these really like fucked up scenarios or, or jokes, but it comes from, a, but it doesn't come from a place of, Oh, this is what I really think about the world or this is, or this is stuff that I'm into, you know? Yeah. And uh, well, I guess you're hanging out at a playground with your kids. I'm sure that in some way inspired. I don't know if you thought of it beforehand or not, but but it, it's like sometimes a perverse thought enters your mind. And that's like the whole point is it's not what you actually think, but it entered your mind. And so it's funny to entertain it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, and that's that's exactly what happened. Um, we were at this same playground, I think, during the week. I think we walked there. And then uh, I was like, I, I had the idea, like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if, like, you know, that character had just come here, just ready to talk to any kid who, you know, who we could find. Uh, and I, I think I recorded like a test little thing, you know, just to, you know, get some, get the ideas out there. And then after that, that's when pre-production happened. When I got the beanie, when I got the glasses, and uh, and all that. But yeah, it, 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 I, I think you know, I, I've said this before on 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 this podcast, I think, you know, doing comedy and being writers and, and producers and all that, we're really lucky in that we're allowed to go down those, those, you know, those, uh, uh, rabbit, would it be a rabbit hole? Uh, we're, we're allowed to, um, explore those, those ideas as messed up as they might be and see what happens and produce something from them. You know? Yeah. What's funny though, is in New York and like, I, I think we've probably talked about this at some point is like, it, it's become such a, moralized industry that in some ways, a lot of times when I go hang out with my friends that aren't in comedy, we'll delve down more fucked up rabbit holes and do jokes that like really either I can't do or that like maybe I could do, but it takes a certain amount of time to like really work it out to where you could do it like as a stand up bit in front of an audience where like I can't even work it out at some shows in New York because they don't have the patience for that, you know? And like, I I had that bit a while ago about like you know sometimes I have to warn my friends 
back in Jersey, like, oh, these are my friends in comedy. You're going to have to like, fuck, what was it? It was, it was basically like, they might be sensitive when you joke around some topics. Like I have to warn my non-comedy friends <laughs> that the comedy friends might. Yeah. That, 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 that is like such a, a perfect encapsulation uh, of it. Yeah. Just a weird reversal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't get to, I don't get to hang out that much with like, you know, other comedians and stuff. I, I don't think I, I mean, outside of like, you know, producing stuff and, and hanging out like on set or when we were, you know, years ago when we would do like writer's rooms and, and, and that sort of thing, that was always, you know, that was always fun. That's I think where I would get my, um, I would get my kicks, you know, cause like we're like, uh, I'm a big fan of gossip, you know, so, so sort <laughs> of, uh, so I absolutely loved like you and then our, our mutual uh, friend, uh, uh, Brandon Basham, uh, like having like you two guys in the room, just letting me know, uh, you know, just bullshitting about like, you know, the improv scene and the, and the comedy scene and, and, uh, whatever's happening online and like in chat rooms and, and stuff like that. I hope I'm not giving too much away. Who's um, getting banned from UCB these days. <laughs> yeah, man. Like in a way, like I, I kind of felt like we should have been in a, in a fucking beauty parlor, like getting our hair done. Like you guys go like, or you get your, your bodacious beard done while we're, uh, you know, talking about this stuff. Yeah. Not enough hair to get done these days. Yeah. Well, um, just a, a, a little thing about, uh, Brandon. Um, and, um, I gotta, I gotta get Basham on here. So without giving too much away, um, you and I have, uh, small parts in, uh, in an, in his feature that he's, uh, that he's doing one of his latest, uh, features. So, yeah. yeah, I, I couldn't make the second filming day and my lines had to get cut. So I, oh, I won't, I won't give any more away, but I'm just playing a physical thing that is still quite enjoyable and, and grotesque and, and the word. Yeah. I, I got to, fun. I got to watch it. I, I, I got to see, um, a little bit of the, like the test, the test footage yeah, yeah. and, and for, um, for uh, Brandon Basham, he's a fucking awesome comedy writer. Um, he's written and directed for, uh, for trauma. And uh, this new movie uh, uh, is a, is a, is a trauma production and, you know, not given too much weight, but there's, there's a lot of death and a lot of gore. And um, I, I'm still waiting to shoot my, uh, my death scene uh, nice. that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Um I, I'm, I'm, I've been kind of like, I, like growing up in the, uh, you know, in the eighties and nineties, like there's a big part of me that absolutely loves like, you know, uh, eighties and nineties horror movies, you know, practical and that, that, effects. Yeah, exactly. Practical effects. And th there's actually a lot of those movies, uh, take up space in my brain. That is probably another reason why I don't remember a lot of Michelle's friends and stuff because yeah. it's being taken up by by that shit that hit me really young that's another one they need to do like brandon needs to direct a movie that's just starring michelle's social circle <laughs> and then you watch that yeah it's like can you guys watch all the credits yeah. can it be a slasher film and you know with some gratuitous like titty shots and stuff yeah, like that yeah. then i'm gonna you know i'm gonna remember but uh steve yeah, so you got stabbed in the asshole during the second act <laughs> great to see you <laughs> exactly so this is so this is my opportunity to uh you know to be in you know kind of you know one of those uh you know one of those kind of low budget horror movies 
and um, uh, I'm very, you know, I'm very happy to be a part of it. So me too. Although it's my second time because I was, I did play a crackhead in the first purge. So now it's my, I got a real streak. Whoa! Did it? Did that make it in? Uh, in into oh, yeah. the movie? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, it was very fun. Uh, not. I mean, relatively low budget, but not like actually low budget. It was like one of the biggest film sets I've been on. What a uh, let's talk about that. So, so for those for those people out there who are fans of the Purge, how long into the movie um, do you pop up? Uh, I have not watched the movie. If I'm going to be perfectly honest, are you I serious? Scroll- you didn't watch I, it? No. I'm just, I'm actually not that into horror. Is the funny thing. <laughs> I should watch it. I just I don't watch that much TV and then like I I just used it for my reel so I scrolled and found where I was in it. I don't think it's that far into the movie. I'm going to guess within the first like half hour, maybe 45 minutes. But uh, I it, I'm recognizable enough that I had people text me when they saw it. it. It's only like one line, but I'm like literally hitting a crack pipe and like the light from the the lighter flashes on and like exposes my face. And then I won't say the line because you got to watch it to find out. It's the least, it's the least I can do for the bird series. that Put me in it that I haven't actually watched myself. So uh, do you actually smoke something out of the pipe or? uh... No, I think if I remember correctly, I was just like lighting it. uh, And then the spark of like the, they like use the spark of the lighter as like part of the practical lighting on my face. So uh, I've never seen the purge. I think it's been a bunch of uh, movies. So uh, what, what is like the basic, do you know what the basic plot of the purge is? It's like one night they get one night you get to go nuts. Right. Yeah. I think it's just lawlessness and then each have their own spinoff where it's like lawlessness on this one location, this one Island or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I filmed a bunch with like the main, uh, what was his name? Jovi and Wade, I believe. It's like a young guy, like jacked, um, like maybe 20, maybe not even 20 years old, but like a super nice guy uh, was like, he like, was filming an action sequence so like they're like he's like running from all these different like crackheads like me or whatever and like they're doing like um what do you call one of the, the like mounted cameras that they're like following him with and so between scenes he's like just doing push-ups and like amping himself up so he looks jacked and is like super like psyched as he's running through and we were like chatting during that time he's great very fun that's cool yeah but what yeah what the um I, I guess it, you know, the, the idea of a purge definitely, um, uh, it, it, uh, there is an impulse. I think for a lot of people, they would, they would love just one opportunity to kind of go, to go crazy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, d- I mean, based on what I talked about earlier about my revenge fantasies, you know, I don't think one night's going to do it for me. I think I need, <laughs> I, I think I need very special moments. Um, you need like I'm, an assistant managing your schedule for the, party. yeah. But but also it's it's not just like um, it's not like I just want to you know go nuts and you know mayhem and all that. I want the people who hurt me to know that they hurt me, and that but that gives them so much power. I know, I know, isn't that bad? <laughs> it, it, but 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 that's the thing. Like that's how that's how lame my fantasy is. Where somehow, like these people probably forgot that I even existed. You know, they were like, "What? Who are you again? I don't. What? Okay, what did I do?" 
I'm oh, the guy really? you didn't hold the door for at Whole yeah. Foods. Yeah. And now you will pay. Yeah. They're like, oh, so- sorry about that, buddy. And then if they I said would- sorry, I'd be like, okay. So, okay, it's fine. Okay, I guess I guess it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess it's okay. Yeah. I would love to see uh, social media purge in the mm. sense of like the entire internet becomes 4chan for a day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's a terrible idea. But just like... Everything you say online today cannot be held against you tomorrow. <laughs> Just fucking oh, go nuts. Yeah. Well, um, uh, I don't. Have you and I talked about Elon Musk buying uh, Twitter and all that? I don't think we've talked about it. Not mm. deeply. I bet we texted yeah. some headlines or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah. What? What is the uh, one of the latest headlines? It's like uh, you know, tech bro billionaires. Uh, and you know, like they're all about free speech, like free speech in quotation marks. Like now, now free speech has been given the dog you whistle. Know, yeah, like you know, come on, it's it's so. Um, I don't. Know, I I just see like uh, you know people just grasping, like they, they just. It seems like they're they really are losing losing their hold, and it's just like they're just going to keep throwing the same stuff. Okay, you know, how do we make free speech sound bad? You know, how do we right. make how do we make the thing that was so important for every civil rights movement sound bad? How can we, you know, uh, you know, it's uh, it's always so hard to tell, though, because, like, it's hard to tell whether it's an actual critical mass of people that have that point of view or whether it's like the couple psychos writing headlines for BuzzFeed or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, it's 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 kind of like working. I call it like you know B minus uh, term papers, where it's like you're in college, you have a paper due the next day, you haven't done any work. And you're like, fuck, what do I, what do I do? It's like, well, how do I make this thing racist? Okay, this is a racism thing. This is a racism. So then, uh, okay, yeah, I'll I, I could, you know, I could bend reality to make it seem racist. You know, the idea that there are some people out there. Sure, there's some people out there who want to be able to type the N word in full or, or, you know, talk about white supremacy and, and, and all that. Um, yeah. So, so therefore all free speech is, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the tool of racists and, and, and white supremacists. That'd be a fun exercise to just do that with everything in the constitution, you know? I mean, I oh, guess yeah. people sort of do that, but it'd be fun to go through like one by one and just like, here's why, uh, free the right to privacy is racist. Right, right. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, what, what was funny is, you know, sort of like, um, I think only a couple of days after it was announced that, that Musk had, had purchased uh, Twitter, I actually had a run-in on Twitter with a legit fucking racist. Like, not, not somebody who's just, you know, being called racist because it's, uh, you know, uh, politically, you know, uh, you know, just a way to shut them up. No, like yeah. a legit racist, like a person who's like, like the United States is European and European blood is, uh, is what makes the U S the U S and we're going to push out all of you third worlders. And I think they called me a brown <laughs> shit stain. Cause my like Perez, like, oh, they called me Sephardic and all that. Like, uh, you know, and, and it was, I, I was having a ball, like, talking with this anonymous nobody who 
I describe it, you know, it's a, it's, you know, a white identitarian and it's like, you could tell just how big of a fucking loser these white identitarians are by how far back in history they need to go to talk about other people's accomplishments. It's so strange. I know a guy like that. I don't know if we've ever discussed him, but I know a guy who used to do New York open mics who's like this weird nebbish, like, I think he's French, actually. Uh, I'm not going to say his name just to not even give him any any be- attention beyond the anecdote, but I we still follow each other on Twitter because he actually, like, he used to write okay jokes and he like built up a Twitter following and he actually was like really nice despite the fact that he does post explicitly anti-Semitic stuff and like stuff that's like definitely like white supremacist stuff. Uh, but he was like message. We chatted before he started posting all that when it was mostly jokes, we like chatted and he gave me advice on like building a following on Twitter and like things like that. And then slowly I just started seeing like, some right wing stuff on his Twitter that like wasn't anything particularly alarming or weird. And then it just escalated into like yeah. very explicit, like actual white supremacy. Yeah. And, and, you know, I went, I checked out this person's, uh, you know, timeline and uh, there were things there that I hadn't seen ever or hadn't come across. Like there were montages of like, white people uh fighting back you know against black people and and stuff i'm like i haven't seen that like you know like wow twitter's really you know opening doors i guess if you're into that shit but you know a a part of me is still like i haven't blocked the person yet um i i think they kind of they must have i don't know maybe they got bored with me maybe they found somebody who was uh, more, you know, uh, authentically a brown stain, um, and not, and not me. Um, yeah. but in a way, in a way I'm like, well, I'm kind of happy that that person's there because for me, I get chuckles out of it. I make fun of that person. I, you know, go after them and, and, and pick apart their arguments. And then I have fans of mine that are going against that person. And you know what, if though, if there are people out there with those actual ideas, well, it's good that I actually know how to engage with them to a you know to a certain degree. Yeah, it's entertaining I too. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't block somebody like that. I can't imagine the scenario because like I guess maybe if they're like messaging and I'm getting a lot of notifications, but I'm sure I can turn off. I I don't yeah. have Twitter notifications on for everything. Um, but I I I find it too interesting. Maybe especially if it's like a real life person to be to be like wow what what is this how does this person's brain work right that i i don't think i'd want to like yeah i wouldn't want to block them because i don't know what that accomplishes yeah and it's it what's kind of you know cool is like you know when you're talking about identity like you know for however many years like say the the, the past you know 7 years or so i've been uh definitely on the right of center you know, uh, some of my stuff, I get, you know, uh, some of my stuff a little bit more hardcore than, you know, than other stuff and libertarian and, and anarcho-capitalist and, and all that, where when I meet a person like this, they put me like on the side of the left. So I'm like, I'm, now I'm with like my lefty brothers and sisters where I'm like, yeah, this racist piece of shit. Like, you know, like, let's like, I feel like now, thanks to that person, I now feel a little bit more solidarity with, you know, people of color 
if you will. And, you know, people who are getting, you know, hammered by actual racists and all that. It's like, yeah, I'm on your side when it comes to this shit. Yeah, there's maybe something nice about the both extremes that maybe they, if I were to really optimistically look at it and also deny reality in some ways that in some ways those extremes maybe bring the rest of us together <laughs> yeah oh. one would hope one would love to think yeah well well yeah it, it, then i mean ultimately then it's just uh instead of bringing us together it, it uh there's going to be you know people just push you towards them like no no, no you're, you're actually a part of them like, like that's yeah. what you know that that's what you're into Oh, I just what? realized you could see the reflection of my other. It's a good thing I don't like porn on the screen or anything there. I was actually hoping that you had some porn <laughs> yeah. on because unfortunately I'm not able to, you know, to have, you know, porn streaming while I'm recording. Just it's just cuz my computer's too slow. <laughs> but uh well a, a while ago, I'm not going to I'm not going to say her name, but um there uh there was a person who uh Boris and I both know who was going on to my um my public, I guess my, my performer page, I would put on like Facebook. Um, so I have my personal page and my performer page. I mean, they're pretty much the same. Like if you guys want to follow me, you could, you know, you could do that. If you want to get in touch with me, uh, I prefer if you get in touch with me, like through my website or on locals.com. But, um, uh, yeah, this person, she would, she went on my, uh, you know, on my, my, my public page and just started like making these, you know, comments about me being, alt right and all that and uh it was pretty um i mean it was pretty uh i don't know upsetting because i'm not and i had just written that article in the wall street journal where i think maybe she just read the headline like how i became a quote far right radical and 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 figured well he's far right therefore he's alt right um and um i think when when a lot of people you know throw alt right around they don't understand the I don't know just how uh, powerful of a term that is. If you're going to paint somebody that way, because for me, when I hear all right, I think of, Oh, you're a, you're a white, you know, white nationalist of some sort, or you want a white ethno state. And that is definitely not me. Um, And I I went back at her, you know, pretty hard. I I forget, I forget how many comments in before I, I, I said something along the lines of it's a, it's a shame you can't choose between being stupid and mentally ill. You got both of them going for you. And, uh, uh, but yeah. Uh, so there we go. It's, it's a shame because that's probably a somewhat true statement. What's she supposed to do with that comment? What is she supposed to do with it? <laughs> oh, I mean, that'd be funny to want a white ethno state, but like in Canada, like to live in America, but just like, I'd like to see a white ethno state in Poland. Elsewhere. <laughs> Elsewhere, yeah. I'd like to see a, a white, uh, a white ethno state. Oh yeah, and the, this uh, separate, the, this other person, this racist on, on Twitter, you know, just extolling all the great virtues of Europe, and it's like Europe, like those like, are white ethno states. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, when we want to, you know, if you want to know about the f- the future, we should be looking to, yeah, check out that that superpower, Hungary. That's the fucking, you know, that's the future. It's like give me a fucking break. COVID made them all forget about Sweden. We don't like Sweden no more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, well, what uh, a lot of people might not uh, might not know this about you, or at least you know my my listeners. But uh, you are a 
legit refugee. Am I right? This is true. I technically came here as a refugee from Ukraine, although not from this crisis. Not wouldn't this that one. be wouldn't that be sick if I dropped an accent in like two weeks? That'd be pretty skillful. Um, when I was seven in 1991, right after the Soviet Union collapsed. Whoa, man. That's wild. Have you been back to Ukraine ever? We did. Yeah, we went back like 15 years ago. It was cool. It was really nice to see. I'm from Odessa, which is like on the Black Sea. And um, we went during the summer. It was too hot, but it was nice. And then we had like two other trips planned that, of course, like Mm. different world events prevented. Yeah. Well, what do you make of what? what's going on uh, in Ukraine. A, a friend of mine, um, Konstantin uh, Kissin, who hosts Trigonometry. I don't know if you're familiar with that. He yeah. co-hosts it with uh, Francis Foster, great guys. And they've been, they, they've had a, a tremendous amount of, of success and deservedly so. And uh, so Konstantin is from Ukraine. He's British. Uh, by he's, I think he was born in, in Ukraine and, and uh, his family moved to, uh, to Britain and, he you know has gone back and forth and, and all that and and he's been really good at sort of explaining the situation as somebody who you know has family there who's tell he has family in both Ukraine and Russia telling saying what's go you know what's going on um, and it's good to it's good to have you know people who you know are, are giving uh, you know factual inf- information instead of you know pulling stuff out of uh, out of their ass. It's almost more about it being contextual than factual, mm. because like that's another thing that I've seen on both sides, but a, probably a little bit more on the right is a lot of like what, you know, what might be described as Putin propaganda, essentially, but some of which is, you know, based in fact, and it becomes difficult trying to have that conversation. It, it similar to a lot of other political dynamics here, but it becomes a thing where you know, what you're saying is true, but the meaning is very different. You know, like a lot of the um, talk of, you know, Putin calling Ukraine a Nazi state and blah, 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 blah. There is anti-Semitism there. It's one of the reasons why my family left was we specifically came as Jewish refugees because at the time, particularly during the Soviet Union, you were not uh you were not a Russian. You were a Jew. Like your passport literally said Jew. Your passport would say Ukrainian. It would be the area you're from, Ukrainian or Azerbaijan or whatever. Uh, but if you were Jewish, it said Jew. And so like there was that. And there was when we came back, I actually saw like swastikas spray painted on rocks. This was about 15 years ago. And it also is a very corrupt government. But all of that has progressed i would say for the better over particularly the last five to ten years and so a lot of the stuff that's like technically true there's still a lot of corruption in ukraine but in the context of them being a sovereign nation that was invaded by a neighboring country it's not you know it's just uh propaganda that's trying to be used for justification for an invasion it's not Mm. It's not a legitimate criticism because it contextually isn't really relevant here. And I watched a, a clip and um, of um, President Ukrainian President Zelen- uh, Zelensky. Is that how, how you pronounce mm-hmm. his, his name? And you know, obviously, I don't 
I don't speak Russian, I don't speak Ukrainian, so I'm, you know, dependent on the, you know, the captions, uh, you know, the uh, translation there. Uh, but he was asked about, you know, the, you know, the neo-Nazis or how, however you want to explain it, however you want to des- describe them. And he said, yeah, we, we, we have them and we're working together and we're, we're fighting together, you know? So it was, it, it was, it, he, he added, there was more context there as well. Um, yeah. but it, it, it's it sort of, I, I, um, I remember, um, you know, reading about during, you know, before World War II, there were fascists in Italy. There were obviously fascists in Germany, these rising, you know, um, uh, groups. There were fascists. And in in America. And in America and in England. There were all these fascists. And then what happens is uh, that fascism, uh, you know, is pushed aside for nationalism when your country is attacked. You know, so uh, English fascists, fought Hitler, you know, um, and, you know, et cetera, American fascists, you know, uh, you know, were willing to, uh, you know, to go and fight because, uh, uh, you know, nation and country was more important than it it wasn't necessarily like a global, you know, fascist fascism wasn't necessarily a global, um, thing, or at least the goal, you know, they weren't uh, imperialist fascists, you know, or, or something like that. And look, I'm sure, there's a bunch of people listening right now. I'd be like, well, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Fine. Hit me up and, 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 and teach me that. But uh, I hear what you're saying as far as, you know, the, the context being, you know, uh, you know, saying a lot about what, you know, the situation is. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's tons of other stuff about like Putin being, cause you, you remember back when George Bush met with, Putin, Putin, like wore a cross and gave him oh, this yeah. nonsense story and about being a Christian and wearing it during his time as a KGB slime ball. And, uh, and that like has fed into this narrative a little bit of like, um, it's almost a, there's this famous, I would recommend anybody watch it. And it used to be passed around the right a lot as a criticism of the left, legitimately so, which is this, you've probably seen this interview with Yuri Bismenov, who was a defected KGB agent. Hmm. And he talked about the process of demoralization and a multi-generational process where you sort of brainwash generations in America to hate their own country and to see America as a sort and very often that was looked at through the lens of criticizing the American left that started to become like America is the bad guy in the whole world, everything that happens, blah, blah, blah. And now I started seeing that more on the right from certain people where it's like, well, if if Putin's fighting NATO, it means he's fighting globalism and America's globalists and NATO's globalists and Putin is now the hero. And it's like, just there's not a neat little narrative here where all the bad guys in your story seem to coalesce around right. or all the good guys, you know, it's, it's just, everything becomes this like story that we want to tell ourselves. Right. Yeah. And I think it also, you know, it shows too, like the, you know, the, the complexity of other nations and their history too. You know, it's like, um, uh, well, I did have a, I did have a funny joke. Uh, uh, there was that story about, um, uh, trans women in Ukraine being unable to to leave <laughs> yeah. with biological women and, and children um, because the Ukrainians consider them men. Um, and I came with, I, I had the idea of um, the Ukrainian trans women staying behind, but they only have to fight Russian women who are invading. Like that's who <laughs> they, you know, that's who they have to. And then, um, 
and then that's when uh i don't know never never came to fruition i never made that never made that video never really made that joke i think outside of to a few <laughs> friends on over it over uh over text texted it a few times and they were like watch out lou yeah that lou I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't die on that hill. I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, it was just such a, it was a brief little hiccup where so much of our coverage started to project these like American social justice things into this war, and it's so funny to watch and so unsustainable because it's a fucking war. <laughs> yeah, and just like yeah, you know what? Some of this is probably happening. Also, there's a war going on. Yeah, you know it's. it's yeah, but yeah, but there, there was the the yeah the trans women um, being uh, forced to stay in the country. Then there was the uh, black people not being allowed over the border, or you know having to go through I guess more checkpoints or something like that. That was there for a few minutes. Um, yeah, it's like there was a whole the daily did an episode where they interviewed different like refugees and stuff and there was a guy who was it was a fairly sympathetic story he um i think was originally from crimea and then was a gay guy that was from crimea and was displaced and moved i believe to kiev i'm not positive on that but i think it was crimea to kiev and then he had to evacuate kiev again it was you know he'd already evacuated his home once and then he had to evacuate it again but his the narrative was that you know he didn't want to stay and fight and and he's not trans he's gay and he's like you know i just don't think this is the way i can help when i was a kid i played with dolls i wasn't into playing with soldiers and i'd be much more useful you know cheering dudes yeah <laughs> <laughs> what's, I, he, what's he getting at I mean, here? I mean, maybe, yeah. But he said, like, like I forget, like, drawing pictures and, like, cheering on. And it was just one of those things to me that was just so – I fully sympathize with him, but without any of this news piece. It's like I sympathize with anyone who doesn't want to go and fight in a war. No shit. Literally, the reason my parents – part of the reason my parents brought me over here was also because there was a military a mandatory – military service in ukraine and my parents didn't want that for me either they wanted me to live in a country where there's enough of a, a infrastructure that there is a professional military class and that the public is not forced to do that and that's a luxury and i feel very fortunate to have that luxury but also i'm like you don't need to spend time creating sympathy for someone who doesn't want to fight when their country's being invaded in a way that is a little bit of a shameful thing. And, and I sympathize with that shame. I, I would also feel shame and I also wouldn't want to fight, but that's, that's normal. You don't need a, a news report on that. You know, those are like normal human things. It, it felt weird to glorify at a time when a country actually needs people to fight. Yeah. And, um, not uh, glorify, but you know what I mean? To, to yeah. really highlight. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're highlighting, like, I mean, so much of coming, you know, that, that we've been seeing is like the the real heroism of Ukrainians who've stayed and fought, and you know, taking out like a lot of fucking Russians and equipment and all that, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the next, obviously, I don't know what the next steps are, you know, to uh, you know, to any of this stuff. But well, I'll tell you what, May 9th is a uh, is an important day. And so I don't know exactly what will happen, but they invaded during an important Russian holiday, 
And so May 9th is the Russian victory day. And so there's a lot of speculation. I mean, the reality is, is that this is a thing that's going to go on for years, but there's a lot of speculation that there's going to be some sort of declaration from Putin because he needs to sort of like announce some sort of victory for victory day. Mm. Have, have they, uh, has there been any um, fighting like on Russian soil, like any, uh, you know, the only uh, thing I've heard of, stuff or? well, uh, per, perhaps nothing I'd be privy to, but I do know that there was like a oil refinery that right. like, like two Ukrainian, I don't think they admitted to it, which of course they shouldn't. Uh, but you know, it's most likely almost definitely <laughs> two Ukrainian helicopters, which is also, you know, fairly embarrassing for Russia. Like these weren't even like that, that stealthy of an operation or whatever that they managed to blow. And I believe no deaths either. It was uh, like an unmanned um, like oil refinery or something like that. Um, but that's the only thing I'd heard of, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they're getting tons of money funneled. They have a, what seems like a very innovative, military that has a lot more flexibility than russia does the way that their military is set up not to mention that Russia, you know for ukraine being corrupt and having race issues yeah. russia's got their own race issues and they've got a shitload of corruption where like part of what's fucked them is there's all this money that's been thrown into like uh, money that was supposed to go towards like separatist groups in ukraine and all this stuff that was all just like stolen yeah, I, I forget who who it was. I think it might have been this guy Jeffrey Sachs um, talking on the um, the Fifth Column podcast. And I think he, I think his he's an academic, and I think he studies dictators and that sort of thing. And he said like well, one of the downsides of being a dictator. I mean, it's it's cool to have all that power, but when it's you lonely also have at the all, top. <laughs> it's lonely at the top when you have all that power. Well, people hide things from you. Cause they're, you know, scared to tell you things, what's going on. And, you know, they're scared to be honest about what's going on. So you might, you know, you might think that you're holding on to this incredible power and the people love you and all that, but you really don't know what's going on. You, you don't, you don't know how people are truly feeling, you know? And, and it, Yeah. And it could all topple at the, at an instant, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I just imagining like, you know, the Russian, like Russians who are, you know, being sent to invade Ukraine. They're like, what the, what am I doing over here? What, why am I, what are we doing? What are we doing here? You know? Yeah. I mean, a bunch of them literally did not know what they were doing there. And then even a lot of military command wasn't disclosed that it wasn't an exercise and blah, blah, blah. Until the, I mean, those are all things that contributed to the disaster that it's sort of been for him. Yeah. Well, well, uh, one thing I'm happy to say is that, that this has not been a disaster our conversation i've i've thoroughly enjoyed it uh, likewise it's a long, long time coming so. you know if i could add one point actually really quick that i yeah. haven't heard because i feel like some of that was repeating a lot of stuff i heard but one thing i will add that i realized recently is there's a little bit of analogy to uh israel and palestine and not in the way that you would think in the way that like in America, some of the tension has been like projected over here to Russians and Ukrainians. But it's very funny because like up until uh, I know I have some relatives who when Russia invaded Crimea, that's when they began to like correct people and be like, I'm not Russian, I'm Ukrainian. You know, before then, people would ask me if I was Russian and like half the time, if I'm not trying to have a long conversation with them, I'll be like, yeah, like they never heard of Ukraine, you know, and now 
people are more vocal and there's some tension, but they all shop at net cost. They all go to the same Russian restaurant. You know, there's only one Russian grocery chain. And whether you're Ukrainian or Russian or from Belarus, they're all going to that grocery chain. And it reminds me of how, like, here in America, like, Jews and Muslims can't get rid of each other because if you move to a new area and you're Muslim, the closest thing to the food that you eat is kosher. And if you're Jewish, Mm. the closest thing to the food that you eat is halal. And so, like, they're sort of drawn together because they're culturally still so tied whenever they move around here and same thing with russia and ukraine like there's a little bit of this like cancel culture projection of like protesting russian foods or whatever or like russian restaurants but like if it's not a deeply ethnic area for russians like ukrainians are going to the russian spots russians are going to the ukrainian spots wow no that's a that's a that's that's an interesting way to think about i mean you know automatically thinking about jews and muslims circumcised uh Russians and Ukrainians, probably not, unless they're Jewish. Exactly. Well, not even. I mean, not. I wasn't until I came here because you couldn't practice. But re- when I lived there, you couldn't. It was illegal to practice religion, so there was no circumcising anybody. Wow. Oh my God! How old were you when you got you got nipped? Seven years old, baby. Seven years old. My God! How much? How much did you take off? Jeez. Well, I, I I was seven, so I can't say I remember what was there before, but it was it worked out okay. I actually, there's another comic who had a really similar story, and his was botched apparently. I he talks about it publicly, so I won't mention it his name, but uh, but yeah, we had a real um, goofus and gallant <laughs> scenario with their circumcisions because mine. Uh, the only thing I remember was being handed. You remember those video games that they had in like the nineties where it was like a football game and it was like a static background and little LCD football players that like moved. They gave me one of those. That's all I remember is sitting there playing the game and then it was done. And I, you know, I was fine. I, I, I hear having a foreskin is like playing real football though. So I don't, I, I don't have one. I got, I, I, I got, uh, I got circumcised. So yeah, well, that's part of why I asked my mom like years later, actually pretty recently, for some reason, I never like thought about it. And I was like, why did you do it? And she was like, well, I was told that's what they do in America. And I didn't want you to be different. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was like, like, uh, I was gonna say they're pretty secular, you know, they're pretty secular. Uh, people. Yeah. But it didn't sound like she like put a ton of thought into it. It didn't like today, like, I feel like I'm having a, a daughter. But if I were to have a son, I haven't made up my mind on it. And it's something that I maybe would lean towards it, maybe. But like, honestly, when I have discussed that, I I have really left the decision to like, you know what, when I actually have a son, if and when, and he's born, I, I feel like I'll have more information at that time, just from the experience. And I'll probably have some gut feeling on what I want to do. And so I've kind of like left it undecided, but I've like, you know, thought about it and weighed the pros and cons yeah. and stuff. And when I asked my mom, it sounded like she was just like, no, I don't know. Everybody was doing it. So figured yeah, not, it. no, I do think that that, that was, uh, you know, at the time, like that, that's kind of how, how people were thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm circumcised. My two younger brothers, they're not circumcised. Um, my, my two boys are not circumcised. Um, uh, I, I was, uh, I was, uh, when, when both of them were born, you know, like they ask and like, I think at both, you know, times I was very sternly said, absolutely not, you know, something <laughs> like, like you're not touching, uh, you're not touching the baby. I, I, um, you know, I've done my, 
I've done a little bit of research. I've seen a lot of cocks. Um, I, uh, I think it's unnecessary. And then also, you know, when you're well, being there for both my, the births of my, of my sons and, you know, seeing them, you know, cry and, and the initial, you know, pain and shock of coming out of being born and coming into this world. And then just seeing like this elective, um, you know, doing elective surgery to them uh, right. so young. And, um, and I, I've seen pictures like how they do it. Like they, they basically tie them down and, and all that. I was like, no, thank you. Uh, if they, if they so choose that they want to do this, they can make that choice later on in, in life. And, and I'll, you know, if they decide we, they want to wander the desert for a few years. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, you know, risk temptation and, and, and all that they, you know, you know, go for it. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, for, for those of you listening, if, you uh, if you have your foreskin, uh, let, let us know what you think. Um, if you don't have your foreskin, uh, well, we don't need to hear from you. We just want to hear from the foreskin guys because um, uh, we know what's up. But uh, Boris Hyken, uh, like I said, um, you're, you're a great friend, um, amazing comedian. And I think like most people, I think like many people who listen to this, they'll be able to say like, yeah, and he is also a very rational dude and a good guy to go to when you're in need of, of answers. And uh, thank you for being one of my, one of my wisest friends. Your your rabbi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. This was very fun. Cool. And and where can um, people check out your stuff? So. Uh, at the Boris K on all social media. Sweet. Thank you so much for listening. And again, please order my book. That joke isn't funny anymore. On the death and rebirth of comedy. Just follow the link in the description or head over to Amazon and search for Lou Perez. That joke isn't funny anymore. And please subscribe to my podcast. Leave a five-star review. Why not? Sign up for my newsletter at theluperez.com. And if you want other ways to support my work, you can join theluperez.locals.com. And of course, be sure to support my sponsors. PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Use promo code Lou for 25% off purchases over $75 and Black Organic Cold Brew. B-L-V-C-K-B-R-E-W dot com. Use promo code Lou for free shipping. Thank you.